He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Praise the Lord and welcome to the question and answer segment of this program. I realize during my conferences and even after that we all come and we have questions, we have dilemmas, and we have issues. Everybody has issues, no matter who you are. The woman with the issue of blood was not the only woman with issues. Hers was an issue of blood, but we have issues in all our lives. And I am no wise sage or any super woman, but I know by experience. For the Bible says, I have learned by experience, you know. So I know ex by experience that the Bible has the answer, that the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in a very dark and dreary world. And it is the counsel of God that by his grace I seek to bring to the people of God. I have no wisdom of my own, but only the wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that comes from the word of God. Therefore, let us just relax, trust in the Holy Spirit to bring us answers, trust in the Holy Spirit to be a wonderful counselor in this segment, and trust God to bring us answers. Beloved, I am not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Cause Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Be blessed as you listen. Are we ready with the questions? Thank you. I hope I answered a lot of your questions. 
The questions will not be many. Don't worry. Can you have a male best friend aside your beloved husband? When God created Adam and Eve, he didn't create another Adam so that when Eve is not happy, that other Adam is like, you know people now say side chick, but from the question you are asking, is side what? <laughs> so I would say that the Bible says all things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So everything may be lawful, but is it going to help your marriage? Is it going to help your home? Is it going to help your union? Is it going to help your work even with God? You say he's a male friend. Maybe he's also somebody's husband or somebody's beloved. Then the two of you say it's platonic. I don't think it is helpful. So some things may be lawful, but it's not helpful. So don't do things that are not helpful to you in your work with God and in your relationship to your husband. So I do not think it is a good idea. Amen. Good evening, Mary. Why is it that women lose interest in sex after childbirth? Because childbirth is very difficult. That's why it's called labor. And um, it's been known psychologically that some women even suffer postpartum depression, which in our side of the world, we don't know or didn't know about. So if somebody has just had a baby and at the drop of a heart, she just cries at the drop of it, she, she says, postpartum depression. It is a clinical condition. Amen. And so... I think that the hormonal changes and going through all that makes the woman tired. And not only that, she has to wake up in the night to feed the baby. Every time the baby says, hey, she has to wake up because they say feed on demand. Do you see? So she has become this engine that has to produce all this for the baby. And then mind you, she has often not been on that road before to start with. It's a new experience. And also, she may be nursing some wounds already. She's not having adequate sleep. She's having to run the home. And she's having to look after you. I am not saying it's right. But I'm saying that. You said, what are the causes? Or something like that. What? Why? So I'm explaining why. You know, so all these things make it very burdensome and complex for her. So for her to come through, I would personally advise, like Paul said, it's not in the Bible, verbatim, but I would advise that you lovingly help her and bring her out and show her understanding and help her, like how you know that she'll feel a bit relieved. And when she's relieved, hopefully she will flow with you in the bedroom. Hopefully. I hope I've answered your question. But it's not a it's often not a personal thing that she's angry with you. She wants to punish you. You know, like my husband said that when the first child came in our lives, then he saw that he was going to be overthrown on his throne. 
So he came back and sat on his throne. It may not always be that way. Are Jehovah's Witnesses believers, Christians? And can a believer who is not a Jehovah Witness get married to such a one? I would say, I, I don't think they believe in being born again. And the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. According to John 3, I didn't say it. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So based on that. And then also, their beliefs are totally different from a born-again Christian's beliefs. And then, even to go to Pentecostalism, to come to charismatism, you have so... I don't think it is advisable. You are unequally yoked. And you must advise yourself. Amen. You marry a Jehovah's Witness. God loves them all. Bless their darling hearts. But your child is sick. They don't believe in blood transfusion. You believe in blood transfusion. You are at the hospital. Shouting at Manimoja, man, Manimoja. Manimoja, man, man. You see, life alone is complex. So don't go and add extra complexities so I would say our beliefs are very very different they don't believe in Holy Ghost baptism with the evidence of speaking in tongues they don't believe in the gifts of the spirit their, their interpretation of the last days is very 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 different I know because as a child I was admitted in hospital for a long period at a certain time and the nurse tried to convert me to Jehovah's Witnesses. So I know a bit more. So I had to study my Bible. Then my Sunday school teacher came to visit me and I told him. And he shared certain things with me. So I got to know that we are two very different people. I have two women that I'm dating at the moment. And I love all of them. Please, what should I do? If I were the two women, I'll leave you, brah. I'll leave you. I don't have time to waste. I'll leave you. But if you are a child of God, I started at the beginning by saying, God did not create Adam and two women in the garden. And the Bible says that if a man desires to be a bishop or a leader even in the church he should be the husband of one wife and when David and the kings when Israel asked for a king God said do not have a king because when you have a king bad things will happen and I was surprised when God started to list the bad things he was saying could happen. You see, and one of it was that they will multiply wives. Wives unto themselves. So it means that it's not something that God liked. Um, Deuteronomy 17, 17. I don't like to speak my mind. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. 
that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. So God talks about covetousness. Don't multiply silver and gold. In the same vein, he says, don't multiply wives. He was telling the Israelites that if you say you want a king, I would like to lay down certain things because the unbelievers do that. But you, 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 you don't have to do that. You see? So he says, don't multiply horses. Don't let the people go back to Egypt. And then 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. So you cannot multiply beloveds unto yourself. Amen? You cannot. You cannot just live by feelings. I feel like doing this, so I do it. No. You can't. I didn't make the rules, and I didn't write the Bible. But God's standards are high. And how can you love two women at the same time? You are not ready to marry at all. At all. And if you are a Christian, you are living in sin. And perhaps deception. Amen. Is it good to have access to one another's phone? Hmm. It's a personal decision. My question is, the use of mobile phones now has become a great bone of contention to most relationships and marriages. True, because what you are doing on your phones are terrible. Is it right for man or woman to password his or her phone? I do. And say, let's all have or enjoy our privacy or independence. Is it good to have access to one another's phone? I think that depends on what the couple decide. But... For me, it doesn't occur to me that let's have the same password and I'll look at yours and maybe I don't have time. So I don't... <laughs> it has never occurred to me. You see. And also, there are things that you chat with your girlfriends about that are not necessarily bad, but it's you. Marriage doesn't mean you lose all your independence. And everything is so... No. And I think also that when people become police inspectors and they are inspecting the phones it leads to a lot of problems but having said that you the perpetrator what are you doing that is making the person look on your phone I've counseled people who what they've seen on the phone they just forward to their email encrypted messages and when they confront the person I never did I never shouting Throwing tantrums, the person has evidence. Evidence, I mean, conclusive evidence, like we say in law. Why? But you, the person, you cannot make yourself a personal Holy Ghost or a spiritual policeman. Because what a person wants to do, he will do. But sometimes in discovering that, it makes you wiser as a wife or a husband. And it makes you know how to live. I spoke to her husband, and what he chanced over on his wife's phone, it was not easy. At the office, this, that, that, that. And she was very protective over her phone. When he passed, he said, hey, why, why? He has not said anything. But you see, the Bible says about God that all things are naked unto him with whom we have to do. So for me, you don't have to do with me, 
is the God who rules in the affairs of men. And he says, all things are naked unto him. So if indeed you are a Christian and you are leading that secret life, it's not me you should be afraid of. You should be afraid of the great God who sits in the heavens. And when God says he's bringing you to shame, nobody can change that. Yeah, I was asking my husband, why is it that God, when people are small, maybe you are a small pastor, a small minister beginning, and you have certain things you do, he will never say it. He will wait. Um, he will wait, wait, wait. When you become a cardinal, then he moves the curtain. I, I said to him, why does God do that? Does he not know that many lives depend on the person? And my husband said, well, he's God. And he just chooses what he wants. So your Christianity should be between you and God, not between you and people who see. So on your phone, you have naked girls from the church, then you're also sending your own. All these things I'm talking about are real. They are things I've dealt with. In one situation, 12 girls who sit, they say they are helpers. All of you, you are sending naked, whatever, to the deacons of the church. Are you mad? And even you do it with impunity. I was talking to somebody yesterday, said that the lady meets her in church and then has an attitude. And you are sending her husband pictures. You have gone to the beach. You are wearing a bikini. Then you've lifted your leg. You are, then when your wife is coming, you are hiding your phone. Look, Christ is stronger than your wife. And when God's judgment comes, it's not easy. So with phones, I would say that sometimes to save you from a heart attack, don't look at the phone. Sometimes too, I found that God reveals things to people. So when I was talking to the person, I said, you've seen this and it's going on and on and on. Carve a future for yourself. Carve a life for yourself. Think about what you're going to do in the future and just leave him to what he's doing. So you feel, oh, my wife, she's always here. She never changes. She's changed. But she's just physically present. As a woman or man, does faith take the place of characters in marriage? I don't understand. As a married couple, is it right to engage in oral sex or sexual styles how do we know the right one Hebrews 13 verse 4 Hebrews 13 verse 4 marriage is honorable and the marriage bed is undefiled but homongous and adulteress God will judge Amen the marriage bed is undefiled but sometimes people have been subjected to very terrible things that they do not agree with or cannot flow I mean where you have a wife somebody was sharing with me where you have a wife and you the man want to sleep with her as you sleep with another man through the back and all that that place is sagging, is coming out, real life. And then you tell her, you're supposed to submit. You're supposed to live as Christ, whatever. And then when you come, every night you want a PC at 2 a.m. 
after all this. So the marriage bed is undefiled, which means that you, it's not um, judging that don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But there are certain things you yourself from the, uh, how do you say, from the effects, you should know that you shouldn't do it. My husband told me somebody who had been gay spoke to him. A young person and said, Bishop, you know it's very demonic because the passageway that you go through, so many bad things come out. So the whole place smells. The whole place is with feces and you are moving on. How? So the marriage bed is undefiled. But it's not everything you have to do. But I'm saying that Christians can be, still be adventurous and happy. Do you understand? So we say in our church that with oral sex, it is a gray area. Because some people say yes, yeah, some people say no, some people say whatever. Now you, these young people, you know all this. Me, when I was this age, I didn't even know. When they say such a thing, I don't even know what they are talking about. But the way you are all quiet and not, hey, advanced learner's dictionary. So that's what I would say. But I don't think it's bad to be adventurous and all that. The marriage bed is undefiled. Okay? And um, quickly, quickly. What do you do if you are, your husband and family all dislike you and disrespect you? And your husband feels you are devising even against him. So he will not talk, chat, nor touch you. Also will not provide financially. I think that I often tell people that pray to God and ask him in which way am I contributing to this problem? And even if you are contributing 1%, use your 99% energy to work on the 9%. And then begin to talk to your husband. But don't talk to him when you haven't started to make amends. And when you are making the amends, you are making it unto God. And also you say he doesn't like you, his family doesn't like you. We like to say that, but sometimes there's something we call in law contributory negligence. There's been negligence, but you contributed. And there may be a problem, but you are contributing. Sometimes you contribute without knowing. Maybe you feel they don't greet me, they don't mind you. So I will also not mind them. But the Bible says... Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And that takes the grace of God. But when you ask for his grace, he will give it to you. Amen. So then you walk in love. He said, love your enemies. So if your in-laws are your enemies, then they are the ones who deserve your love. So the Bible is saying, you see, God's logic is different. And the Bible says, love never fails. Often, love turns around. Number two, seek counsel. People like to appear perfect in church and appear perfect that their marriage has no problem, there's no difficulty. But in this life, we all need a doctor sometimes. So if sometimes your, your marriage needs a doctor, you must seek help. But when you seek help and you are counseled, will you believe it and will you receive it? Therein lies the difficulty. You know, so don't wait till things are spoiled. But come and see your pastor. Because sometimes when you go and see your mother, because you are her daughter, her son, she will naturally 
in emotionally side you. She will say that I didn't bring you up that way. These people, they are there, then you are empowered. But maybe you have a problem. So when you come to your pastor, and your pastor will use the word of God to counsel you. And based on that counsel, you receive light and you walk. And I would also say, pray about your problems. A lot of things are not just like that. The Bible says our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. But don't pray that fire, burn them, fire, burn them. Jesus said, love your enemies. He didn't say call fire to burn them. When his disciples said, Lord, shall we call fire to burn these people? He said, you, are, you, you don't know of what spirit you are. You don't know. That's why you are calling fire to burn the people. You see, so when we say fire burn, I hope it's demons and not your mother-in-law, your sister-in-law. It's not scripture. <laughs> Amen. Don't worry, I don't keep so long with the questions. We are running to the finishing line. How do you know he's the right one? And how do you cope with someone who has decided to do full-time ministry? Cope, but has no job for qualification at the moment and spends the whole day pray, playing instruments in church. <laughs> Is he playing instruments as an employee? I don't understand your. Is he playing instruments because he's an employee? Or he's playing instruments as a hobby? If he's playing <laughs> instruments as a hobby, then you have cause to be concerned. But if he's playing instruments because he feels that uh, uh, that's the work he's doing, then it's different. But you are saying. He doesn't have qualifications. He doesn't what? He doesn't have money. He has no job. He has no qualifications at the moment and spends the whole day playing instruments in church. Well, the Bible says that he who does not work must not eat. But you see, some people look at ministry and think that it's not work. Do you understand? One of our pastors was going to get married. And the mother of the lady said that the pastor does not work. Because people feel ministry is not work. When my husband came full time, people said, oh, so your husband doesn't work again. Because for them, ministry is not work. Work is being a doctor a lawyer, an administrator, a secretary, but in ministry, you don't work. So it depends on how you are defining it. By the book of Thessalonians, Paul says, he who does not work must not eat. And also, God will always let you be doing something when he calls you. So when he called Elisha, he was plowing, and then God called him. When he called Moses, he was looking after sheep, and God called him. When he called David, he was looking after sheep in the wilderness and God called him. So you must be doing something responsible in this life and not say that God called me, I have nothing and I'm called into full-time ministry. Paul said that I have worked with these hands. So sometimes you start from lay ministry 
so that you can support yourself. And Paul said, we don't want to be a burden on anybody. That was another aspect of his ministry. So you have to be doing something. Either you are studying, you, you are doing something, or even if you want to be a minister, you are training towards what you say you are going to become. But to go to church every day just to play instruments, I think maybe she is putting it that way. You know? So, it depends. And I think that if he's been in full-time ministry, you seem to be very angry about that. Perhaps he's not the right person for you. Because you seem to, from, for me, what you have written, you see, he said, how do you cope with someone? Cope. You see, cope means it's a difficulty and you are coping. Who has decided to do, has decided to do full-time ministry. So sometimes you yourself, you don't like the ministry. So if you don't, please leave somebody's son in peace. Lady Reverend, it is, okay, is it okay for you, your in-law, to say, your next training is, you need to dress like the way she used to dress when she was much younger. Take it that she's helping you to become a better person. She's trying to say, maybe your dress, you should up it. And if it is true, don't be angry. Take it that God uses your enemies to make you better, okay? That's how I see it. That's how I see criticism. My beloved is in another church and says, we will not join my church even after marriage. What problem awaits me, please? <laughs> the problem of non-submission <laughs> awaits you. She says she won't. She's not now going to change her mind. She says she won't. So it's, it's, it's a sign. You see, when we see the signs in our um, mind, I'm surprised you keep bringing. When we see the signs in our relationship, we always think when we marry to go away. But I tell single people, whatever you are seeing you don't like, multiply by thousand in the marriage. So that is what awaits you times thousand of non-compliance, non-flowing, non-deciding. That is likely what you are, to, you are so you have to sit down and talk about it and see the way forward. But if at this stage the person is not flowing, it is not likely that she will change or her mind or he will change his mind as you go along. Lady Reverend, is it acceptable to God for a husband and wife to have sex while the wife is having her period? I really... In the Old Testament, it wasn't. In the New Testament, they may say it's not hygienic. But I used to know a military man who would go on um, missions for a long time. And then he would come home for just a day or two after a long surgery. And whenever he came, his wife would be seen red. So they decided that they will wash and they will flow. But that is your personal decision. So I can't tell, but you can seek counsel, further counsel. Please, I would like to know if customary marriage is complete in the eyes of God. Customary marriage is not complete because, legally speaking, customary marriage is intrinsically polygamous. I don't know if you understand it, but it means that at the root is polygamy. We have three forms of marriage in Ghana. Marriage under the ordinance where it's one man, one wife, and then you sign. Then we have 
Kasri marriage, which is marriage. No, we have Islamic marriage, sorry. Where you are allowed to marry four women at a go. I mean, in your life. And then we have Kasri marriage, where you can marry as many women up unto infinity. So that when you as a Christian, you go and contract a customary marriage, you are saying that I'm wife number one, but you can have a thousand more like Solomon. That's what you are saying. So in choosing which law should govern your marriage, it is advisable to choose the law that goes with the Bible, not what people call the white man's marriage. Because after all, we do do customary marriage. But as Christians, we say that it's not enough. God has to come into the marriage and also sign so that the marriage is one woman, one wife, not one woman, four husbands, four husbands. And when you've studied sociology, there are places where women marry more than one. And in our church being set up in so many places, the people in Fiji, the women marry more than one. So that's the problem for our pastors. So when they become born again, they have to go and counsel the women to let some of the husbands go. And when I was sharing it with my husband, I saw that he was not smiling. You know, so if you go by what man is saying, the marriage will be so varied according to different customs and different societies. But God says, Adam and Eve, not Adam, Steve, Stephen and Stevana, nothing like that. You see, so that is why we counsel you to marry under the ordinance. Now, whilst we are at it, let me say that if you marry Sister Essie customarily, what we call engagement. So I have a problem when we say engagement because it is marriage and it is recognized in the eyes of the law. But we say, go on and sign and have an, a marriage under the ordinance so that you are in sync with scripture and also let there be a blessing because you can have a marriage under the ordinance with no prayer it is allowed they just say this it's, it's a state law so they just read the things and you are okay you are married you know but sometimes just to sign let a pastor come let him speak god's blessing let him lay hands on you so that you are acknowledging god in all that you do but if you marry sister a under Kashmir law. You don't go on to marry her under the ordinance. Then you meet Sister B and you wed her and you take her to church and she signs. Your marriage to Sister B does not exist in the eyes of the law. Do you understand? If they are two different people. But if you marry Sister A under Kashmir law and then you go and do ordinance with the same person, it holds. But you cannot start with customary marriage and then your second marriage is under the ordinance with somebody else. Or you cannot start with a wedding and then you say, I've married a second wife traditionally. In the eyes of the Lord, that second traditional marriage does not exist. So many people who are wearing white gowns, going around, why are you the missus? You are not a wife. Under the law, you are not a wife. But this is for marriage counselors and maybe Christians also to know. So it's a legal thing. People are always... Oh, he has wedded his second wife. The second wife is not a wife unless he has divorced the first one legally. So yes, do you have to go through marriage by ordinance to make it complete? I think I've answered that. 
Should you break up with someone you realize is not as spiritually mature but has every other good quality? <laughs> What's your take on dating or marrying a, a guy younger than you, two years and younger? Well, the Bible doesn't say, so I can't also say that if you marry a man younger, it's not good. But we know that we women grow older quickly, they say. So you should marry a man who can keep to the covenant. We have some that have worked. One of my bishops was telling me there was an eight-year gap between a man and a woman. And he had, he was so doubtful. But he was telling me that it has really worked for so many years and it's still working. So it depends on the two people and their commitment. But usually, later the people come and say, no, I've married my grandmother, I don't want. And then it becomes a problem. And then someone you know is spiritually not mature. It depends on what you value. I value spiritual things. So when the person is spiritually mature, I would like it. But if the person is not spiritually mature, but I know that he's always reaching out to the things of God to grow, then there's hope. I may consider the person. But if he gives me everything else and he's not spiritual, I don't want because I have to have priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other qualities shall be added unto me. Amen. What do I do for when I'm trying to be humble and not boastful? I'm seen as childish and immature. I think that for every uh, criticism, you just take what it is and tell God, God, they say I'm childish and immature. If I really am that, reveal it to me and help me. And even when I don't see, I'm going to work as if it's true. It doesn't change anything about me. God doesn't condemn. It's human beings who condemn you. But in Romans 8-1, the Bible says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Ghost will convict you, but it will not condemn you. But human beings will condemn you. So you have to overcome the spirit of condemnation. Accept criticism in good faith and work with God to become a better person. Okay? How do you handle a partner that wants you to live with, uh, wants to live with you in a family house temporarily after marriage? It is not advisable. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. It brings too many problems. It brings in-laws into your marriage. You have just married. You need to make your own mistakes and grow up together. And already you are introducing a third party. Sometimes the house is an outhouse somewhere and you really have nowhere to go. But you should work at getting somewhere to go so you can move out quickly. Please kindly advise on a situation where the lady's decision should always be supreme. You are not in charge. When the husband disagrees, she does not love. I think that you probably have a strong-headed wife. It may also be temperamental. She may be choleric, and choleric women are very strong. So sometimes, it's not that they have decided to be strong-headed, but it is their weakness, and you have to help them overcome it. So you also should be firm, and again, seek counsel and help, and talk to your wife about it, but you have to take the oversight as a man. That doesn't mean bully her. What is the ultimate biblical purpose of marriage? Oh, it's a lot. Too. Because God saw that Adam was alone. He made a help meet. Because God wanted us to be able to procreate and to um, add to his creation. 
in a legal way. Because God expected that we would comfort each other. The Bible says when Rebecca came into Isaac's life, he was comforted. And it's also to avoid fornication. Because if you are not married, you are not supposed to be having sex. Amen. As a lady, can you propose to a man when you have interest? Well, I'm old school and I have a bit of a problem with that. I think that even if you are going to propose, let it look like he proposed because of decorum. Because I've met, I have male friends who later tell me, do you know, I didn't even propose to her. Later, they tell us they have even married. Then they come and tell me, do you know, I didn't really choose her. I didn't really propose to her. So, and the Bible says, when a man has found a good thing, or when the good thing has found a man. So, um, like Ruth, Naomi said, go and sleep at the feet of Boaz. And then when he has eaten and he's full, and cover his legs a bit, I think it was to catch his attention. She said, anoint thyself and don't touch him, but just speak to him. And when she went to the threshing floor, it worked. So there, there are ways you can encourage the brother to say what he has to say. But I don't think that you should take over because a woman should be pursued. Amen. So you can do that in more exciting ways. As a church worker, I found myself fornicating with my beloved. I have prayed over and over again, but still, as soon as we are together, it happens. How do I come out of this? Of this? Something tell life. Anyway, the Bible says, flee youthful lusts. But many of us, we negotiate youthful lusts. And we discuss youthful lusts. And we don't flee. When Joseph was approached by Potiphar's wife, he didn't say, I'm a macho man spiritually. I'm very strong. And I can overcome everything. He took off his coat and he ran. But you, you are meeting in dark places. You are meeting where, place, uh, where it's not conducive. The Bible says that make straight paths for your feet. So when we were coming up, we were taught in the scripture union that when we are together, we should leave the door open. That when we are together, we should not sit so intimately close because the passions are burning and you are in love. That when we are together, we shouldn't go to dark places. So when you make straight paths for your feet, it is likely that you will not um, fall so much. So God expects you to also use your wisdom and your mind. So I think in 2 Timothy 2.22, 2 Timothy 2.22, the Bible says, flee also youthful lusts. So fleeing is between running and flying. By you, you have been sitting and enjoying. It's not right. So you have to run away. And you and your beloved must set, um, how do I say, limits and boundaries of what you will accept in your relationship and what you will not accept. Sometimes I say, oh, Lady Reverend, we just start kissing. And then we saw that. So don't start. Don't start. The Bible says, henceforth have we no confidence in the flesh. 
So don't have confidence in the flesh. And it will give you problems later. You have problems of trust issues. Because she sees that you are capable of sleeping outside marriage. And she's also capable. And before you know, seeds of, I've seen it many times, seeds of mistrust are sown and so many things happen. And later you tell her that she's Delilah and that she killed the call of God on your life. So make straight paths for your feet. Don't trust in your body. Make, I mean, sit down and think through it and live by what you are saying. So open the door so that nothing can happen. Anybody can come in. And because of that, you have protected yourself. Do you understand? And also, Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. So if you are of marriageable age and you like your beloved, you can look after each other. You are okay. Please marry. It's a way of killing fornication. Amen. Can two people who are really in love continue a relationship when they find out they are both AS for genotype? Well, we personally don't advise it, but we don't force it because your constitutional right is freedom of choice. So you decide what you want to do. But you see, hmm, issues and difficulties can kill marriage, love in a marriage. Because my husband tells me that often when people are SS, they come to the hospital so much. Their mothers are not able to work. Their folders are like this. It's, it's very difficult. So if you don't know, it's different. But if you know, then you make an informed decision. So I have had friends who have advised it's not going to work. But I think that chemically, you people get attracted to each other. Because I had a friend four times, he was always attracted to A.S. Always. But eventually, he married an A.A. Because he knew that he was a pharmacist himself. He knew that he didn't want this type of difficult. Marriage is already difficult. Then you are bringing an extra basket of always, and financially it drains you, you get frustrated. You, so if you know, then I personally, not the word of God, would advise that it's not wise. You count the cost and you see whether it's worth it. But it's a personal decision. In my church, if you decide that you still want to go ahead in spite of our advice, there's nothing we can do. We have to marry you and believe God with you. Should Christians of different denominations date or marry? I think so, once they believe the same God and the same things. Please, can a lady marry a man she's older than? I think I've answered that. I think so. Derek Prince was 26 years younger than his wife. The wife was 26 years older, and the marriage worked. I know you don't know him, but he was a great man of God. Please, will you open an account? Should you open an account with your husband? It's a personal decision. But I think you can operate a life as a joint account without having a joint account. I don't have a joint account, but we live our lives as if we have a joint account. And what I have found is that sometimes not having a joint account is a blessing. Because when this person's account is down, this one will show this up. And then sometimes too, you have your separate accounts and then you have a joint account. So it depends on you and what you believe, but there's no hard and fast rule. What do I do if I'm in a blood covenant with my spouse? 
But now I know the truth and I want to come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you know the truth, you must walk in the truth. So you need to break that covenant in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb. And you need to start a new covenant with Christ because it's not based on the word of God. Can you love someone but you don't like the character of the person? Can you like the behavior of a person but you don't love him? It's possible, but you see, love is a decision. And because of that, so many of us, we don't get married. Hey, this, this last one. So many of us don't get married because we are looking for some whoosh to come over us. And usually that whoosh, it doesn't lead to anything. It's just emotions. And you can't always trust emotions. So it's better to trust the spirit and to trust your judgment because God expects you to use your mind and to trust your desires. Yes, you should like the person. But sometimes your foolish reason for not liking the person, it doesn't make sense. I have friends who tell me I don't like him because he didn't go to the right school. But he didn't go to the right school, but he's a good man. He's the one God has prepared for you. And every time you are postponing, 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 before you know, you say that God didn't help you. But God helped you, but you didn't open your eyes and see. And some of you, when you look at the pastors, your boss, the great men of God you see, you feel that that's how they have always been. So you are not prepared to have faith and marry them as they are, with nothing and bones, and not looking attractive. You are not allowed. You are not prepared. But when you see Pastor Kujo standing and say, shall we lift our hands? And I say, ah, Pastor, we're not prepared. But it has been a journey. It has been a walk before he has come there. So you too, when you get your bony husband, take him small, small. As you give him good food, flesh will come, handsomeness will come, personality will come, and you will be blessed. Amen. Finally, Lady Reverend, what do you do when your wife fornicates? Is it fornicates? She's, she, has a, she commits adultery. A married person commits adultery. What do you do? You confront it. Sin must be confronted. You confront it. And when it's not changing, you go to a higher authority, like your pastor, and you talk about it. And when it's not changing, you see, like court, you start with district court, and after that you go to high court, then after that you go to court of appeal, and after that you go to Supreme Court, then when Supreme Court decides, it's finished. You know, so don't just sit with it, cover it, be suffering in silence. Sometimes you may even be harboring something, you will do something terrible. So confront it and let a pastor or somebody who is a good Christian counselor come into it and speak and let there be change. And if there's no change, you may have to advise yourself, but that will be your personal decision. So. God bless us all and help us. I want us to just stand on our feet for a moment. And I want you to commit your life into God's hands. I want you to say, Lord, 
I want to build my life on you. I want you to be the center of my life. Jesus, I don't love you like I should. I'm not growing as a Christian. The foundation is shaky and it's not there. And Lord, if it's there, may I not rest in that. But may I go forward, stretch forth to the higher calling in God. Pray that, Lord, I want to be deep. Lord, I want to be spiritual. Lord, I want to be devoted. It's not about marriage. It's about Jesus. He comes first. And when he comes, he adds everything else to you. Open your mouth and pray. And say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him this is a song of dedication and rededication Daily, it's time to surrender all. I, oh, shall we lift up our hands in surrender to Him? And those of us who are living in sin, and those of us who are living in a way as if we have no God, and those of us who just live in the pleasures of sin and just church is just a routine. Tonight, I sense the Holy Ghost saying. It's time to surrender all. Surrender your flesh. Surrender your appetites. Surrender your uncontrollable desires. Surrender your character. Surrender your lack of reverence for the things of God. Oh, surrender all. Surrender all. Let us come to the throne of Christian. 
I surrender all. I surrender. You are here tonight. You are not born again. You are not sure whether you go to heaven or hell when you die. Yes, we came for a youth seminar, but God wants to reach out to you this evening. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not serious with God. Lady Reverend, I'm not even sure where I'll go if I were to die. I don't know where I'll spend eternity. Lady Reverend, I've been running my life myself. But tonight, I want to say yes to Jesus. Lady Reverend, pray for me. Every eye closed and every head bowed. You are like that here tonight. Lift up your hands. Let it go high above your shoulder. It's not about you. It's not about the person next to you. It's about Jesus. He's reaching out to you this evening. Lift up your hands high above your shoulder. And I will pray with you. High above your shoulder. I see your hands. God bless you. God bless you. And if you have lifted up your hands, do one more thing. Come forward. Show Jesus that you are not ashamed of him. Come forward. You lifted up your hands. Give me the privilege of praying with you. You lifted up your hands, come forward. Come forward. I saw the hands, unless it didn't mean that. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I need a new beginning. I need to be serious with God. Come forward. I'm going to close soon. This may be the opportunity of your life. I'm bargaining for your soul. It's not about being in a church. It's about being in Christ. Father, I pray for your children in these difficult times. Your word says in the last days, perilous, difficult, and stressful times shall come. But Lord, I pray for grace. I pray for strength to overcome the enemy and to overcome every darkness. I speak to their anxieties. I speak to, Lord, their needs. I pray, O oh God, that they will believe that when they seek you first, everything else will be added. May they change their priorities from tonight. May they serve you and seek you first so that you will add everything to them. Lord, your word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that you know the plans you have for your children. They are plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To give them a future and to give them a hope. I pray for them. Let them have a bright future. Let them have a hopeful future. Lead them by your spirit to who they should spend the rest of their lives with. Help them by the Holy Spirit and prepare them, Lord. No one is perfect, but you are to work in us to will and to do. Heal marriages. Heal broken relationships. Heal things that have been ruined. For, Lord, you have said that you are able to turn ashes into beauty. Let that be their story. Let faith come into them again. Let light come again and let lives be built. That will affect the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 
You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.